You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11 this morning. And Judy Watke from our leadership team is going to read scripture. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend And you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give to the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, yesterday at home, there was a moment where I realized it had been a few minutes since I'd heard our youngest two boys. Now, their age two and three and a half, and so I can always hear them, except when they're sleeping. I just knew that parent instinct kicked in, and I knew that something was up. And I could also see that the guest room door was open, and that's usually an off-limits room that's not a playroom. And so I walked that way, and I said, boys, where are you? And sure enough, their little heads popped up from the other side of the bed like weasels, And you could just see that they had been caught. I came around the foot of the bed. They were over there along the other side of the bed. And they had found their way into a couple of gifts that were not theirs and now were no longer wrapped. (laughs) But they intuitively knew. It's just so amazing that they were doing something that they weren't supposed to. And when they heard Dad's voice, they knew they were found out. Well, we're in this Lenten message series on prayer that we're calling, He Hears My Voice. And this theme is so interesting, I think, to trace in the Bible. And we're just going to hit like three spots. We could look at many. But I think at the very beginning of the story, when Adam and Eve disobey God in the Garden of Eden, and they run off to hide, and they're quiet as mice, as God walks through the garden looking for them, saying, Adam, Eve, where are you? And the story of the Bible is really how God 
comes to look for us and to rescue his people out of trouble. And ultimately, that culminates in the cross and God sending his son, the son who has said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If you remember this from John's gospel, how do they know him? It's by his voice. He calls them by name and he leads them out. And you get to the very end of the Bible, the end of the story, and there in Revelation, it is the voice of the Lord once again that is swelled to a forte in Revelation 21. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and he himself will be with them and be their God. And you can see the story comes to a finish. From Genesis to Revelation, the relationship is now restored. But we're in the middle between these two bookends. This is where we find ourselves, and we're invited to come out of hiding, to listen to our shepherd's voice, and to call out to him in return. He hears my voice, as it says in the Psalms, is a statement about how much God wants to hear from you. It's a statement about the power of prayer. So we're here today for this fourth in our series of five messages on prayer. We've studied Nehemiah's prayer, the Lord's prayer, praying the Psalms last week, and now today what it means to ask, seek, and knock in prayer. And I ran into this old quote from Charles Spurgeon this week. He was a 19th century preacher in England, and he said this, when we depend on organization, we get what organization can do. When we depend on education, we get what education can do. When we depend on prayer, we get what God can do. Now, Spurgeon is not disparaging organization or education. What he's saying is, when you depend on hard work and you getting all your ducks in a row, you'll get as far as that can take you. And when you depend on being smart enough or clever enough, that too will take you only as far as it can. But when you depend on prayer, he's saying, now you've moved into supernatural results because you have called upon God. And I'm just going to assume that you know what it means to need help that you cannot come up with on your own. And that's what today's message is about. It begins where we left off two weeks ago. And I'll remind us of Nijar, a friend from the World Mission Prayer League, who took us two weeks ago into the Lord's Prayer. That Sunday, we were in Matthew's account. This Sunday, as a preface to what follows, we're in the Gospel of Luke. Now, because we already studied the Lord's Prayer, we're not going to dwell here long. Nijar just did a wonderful job leading us into this. But I want to point out a couple things that will be important as a setup to the rest. So first notice how Jesus' teaching on prayer begins with his own pattern of prayer. In verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, which would indicate he didn't stumble into a few mumbled prayers, but he sought out a certain place to pray. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that question from an unnamed disciple is what gave us this wonderful prayer. 
And so we read in verses 2 to 4, He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. The one feature that I'd like to highlight before we move on is the word Father. The first word of the prayer, the one to whom it's addressed. Because before Jesus in the Old Testament, you didn't address God as Father. They understood He was holy and sovereign and high above the lowly nature of people. And then Jesus comes along and he maintains that sense of distance. That it is true that God is holy and sovereign and high above. But Jesus also came to close the gap and close it dramatically. In John 5 it says, For this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but what? He was even calling on God as his own father. And you didn't do that. At least until Jesus came. He says, when you pray, say, Father. The word is Abba. It means Dad. Hallowed be your name. You see, both are true. God is holy and he is close like a loving father. So this is a distinctive teaching of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. And it was so revolutionary that the disciples remembered it and treasured it. Paul teaches about what it means to be adopted into God's family and to cry out, Abba, Father. The Christian life is a family life. And we highlight this word here because it's going to set the tone for the rest of what comes, and in fact, we'll come back to this word at the end. For now, Jesus heads into a parable. So we'll look at that portion next. A parable, one of Jesus' favorite methods of teaching, was a short, fictitious story that teaches a lesson. And it says in verses 5 and 6, Then Jesus said to them, keep in mind, this is right after the Lord's Prayer, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Now, for you and I to really understand this, we have to go back into the culture of first century Palestine. So first, you could certainly have a guest show up at your front door from out of town in the middle of the night unannounced. There's no phones, there's no internet, there's no email, there's not even a postal system. So you have no idea when someone is going to arrive at your front door to see you. And travel was slow, so you know they might have good intentions of showing up at a reasonable hour, but there was no guarantee. That didn't necessarily happen. Secondly, in their world, it was of utmost importance that when a guest arrived, you serve them a meal. Because first of all, they were hungry from having traveled how many miles overnight, uh, many days perhaps, and so they're hungry. And more importantly, your honor in their world was attached to showing hospitality. So we remember, it's so different from the time we live in, but they're in an honor-shame culture, which is the subtext of this little story. Thirdly, you're the host, and you realize now in this moment that you are out of bread. And that's a problem, but it's certainly an understandable one. Bread, which was their staple food, they just baked daily. 
every morning for what they would need for that day. You'd bake in the morning and then you'd use it throughout the day. And that, by the way, is what's behind the prayer that Jesus has just taught. Give us this day our daily bread. That's how their world operated. But now it's midnight and you've used up the daily bread. And so you run to your neighbor and explain. And Jesus continues then in the story in verse 7. So you're at your neighbor's house. Suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. And my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now we're going to get to the cranky neighbor in a moment. But before we do, let's talk about what this would have looked like so you can imagine it. These were one-room houses with a raised area at the back of the house where the whole family would sleep side by side on mats. Husband, wife, kids, the whole crew was there. And the door that you're pounding on would have been open during the day and at night then it was closed and it was locked or secured with like a heavy wooden beam or a bar that hung sideways through rings on the inside of the door. So it's no small task to just, you know, unlock this door. And furthermore, it would have been loud, perhaps risking waking up the kids, which, uh, you know, you don't want to do. So even so, even with that explanation, you might still wonder, what about this neighbor's response? And you might wonder, what does this tell us about God? Is God this irritated neighbor who does not want to be bothered? who only begrudgingly helps us? And the answer is no. This parable is actually not about what God is like. That's not the parallel here. It's about what the disciple is like. The one who needs help. Watch how it unfolds. Jesus says in verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship... Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I want you to imagine in your own neighborhood where you live, going to knock or ring the doorbell at your neighbor's house at midnight because you need to borrow a cup of flour. That is a bold move. And that's the point. It's actually a single Greek word that's translated there as shameless audacity. And it's the only time that word appears in the entire New Testament. And it means, it's hard to translate into English, which is why they use a couple words. It's something like a combination between shamelessness, like I've got nothing to lose, and boldness. And it emphasizes the nerve of the request. And if for no other reason, the neighbor is going to get up and get you everything you need. Now, we said a minute ago that this parable is not about what God is like. It's about the disciple, and that's true. But it is also drawing a line from the lesser to the greater. So in philosophical arguments, they'll, they'll refer to this sometime, from the lesser to the greater. And it's saying... If human beings are like this, so if even your ornery neighbor will get up and give you the bread that you ask for, how much will your loving Father give you the things that you need? Do you see that from the lesser to the greater? 
And here's the key. If you have the sense to ask him. If you have the sense to ask him. The book of James says, you do not have because you do not ask. And so I'm wondering for you and for me this morning, what are the things that you finally need to ask God about? Because I'm dumbfounded sometimes at how long it has taken me to realize that I should ask God about something. I could have asked him about something right away. I could have gone days ago, but for some reason, I'm running around trying to solve my own problems or losing sleep because of worry. What do you need to ask God about? What do you need to not wait another day and finally just go boldly to ask Him? As He tells you to. Jesus brings the point home on the other side of the parable, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Do you notice the increasing intensity of those three? Ask, seek, knock. Asking is the invitation to pray. Seeking is the invitation to pursue, to pursue God's will, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And then knocking. Knocking is a picture of coming inside, of coming into God's presence, into the Father's house, receiving his blessing. And each of these commands comes with a promise. There is a cause and effect that Jesus says will happen, and that comes in verse 10. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, does that mean that you and I get a blank check? I was trying to think, what would Gen Z say instead of a blank check? I don't know, like an unlimited Venmo request or something? Does that mean we get whatever we ask for? It's like, well, if this is the case, just get my list ready to go. No, that's not what it means, does it? Both the parable and the promise say, here's what they say, when you ask, he hears your voice and you can know that he will take care of you. Now sometimes, will your needs be met exactly as you've asked for? Yes. Yes. Sometimes will it come a different way or perhaps at a different time? Yes. But the point is clear. Those who through prayer ask, seek, and knock will be heard by their Heavenly Father. And that's the language that Jesus returns to at the finish. It's family language. The language of father and child. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? We don't even live in their world. We intuitively know what Jesus means, that no good father would do that. But let's go back to the first century again, just for a minute. A fish or an egg 
was a good meal. This was nutritious food for a growing child. A snake or a scorpion, on the other hand, what were they? They were two of the greatest dangers to children in that part of the world. So now listen again to what Jesus is saying. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg for breakfast, will give him a scorpion to sting him? Watch now what happens from the lesser to the greater. Jesus is going to answer the question. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's saying if human fathers and mothers who are imperfect and under the effect of sin, if they know how to give good gifts, how much more does God Now, this same passage in Matthew 7 has a slight difference. It says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Our passage in Luke says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Both of them are true. The effect has really not changed all that much. He may have mentioned both of these in the same sermon. And then Matthew draws out the one line and Luke the other. Or more likely, the variation comes from Jesus teaching on these things on multiple occasions as he's traveling around from town to town. And so one place, he's highlighting how God meets our physical needs. And another place, in Luke where we are, the parable covers our physical needs and then Jesus finishes with our greatest need and that is spiritual. Either way, the impact of what he's saying is the same. He hears my voice and he meets my need. And if there is a thing that we need most, the best thing that we could ever receive, then what could be greater than the gift of the Holy Spirit to every believer? That is ultimately what allows Paul to say something like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In our Lenten focus on prayer, we now have studied a number of ways to pray. We've got one more to go. Next week, we're going to be in Jehoshaphat's prayer in the Old Testament. But we've studied a number of aspects now. Praise, thanksgiving, confession, lament. Today is about asking God for what you need. And here's the main point of the whole passage. Ask and expect God to answer. It is that simple. And for whatever reason, it is that hard. Have you ever wondered if you should really bother God with your prayer request? Sometimes people will come to me as a pastor sheepishly to ask for prayer, like I'm too busy. And I think, boy, if you relate to me that way, a piddly little human being, you ever feel like you're bothering God? Like if he's so holy and you know that your life is far from perfect, you know, maybe 
it would be wise to just keep your head down and keep your words to a minimum. Or maybe you think your request just doesn't rank high enough. And you know, there's so many other situations out there and God has so many other more important things to be tending to. Why would you bother him? Have you ever thought that? This passage today ought to challenge every single one of us. Because I'm telling you, I know my tendency. All I have to do is watch my own kids. And I'm watching them thinking, well, why do I scrounge around on my own looking for things that I don't have when my father owns the whole house? Why do I do that? Why do I try to do it on my own instead of boldly asking for what I need? And I wonder if you and I are finally ready to try a different way. Are you ready to ask your Heavenly Father who knows your every need and who the Bible says can do abundantly, immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. Let's do that together. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this invitation to ask, seek, and knock. Lord, you are holy and sovereign and high above us in every way, and yet you invite us in. The cross has closed the gap. Our sin and our waywardness is forgiven, and and Lord, you have open arms in a posture that says, just ask me. And so now, Lord, in the quiet of our own hearts and minds, we just give space to tell you what we need. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach each one of us to ask with new boldness and to wait expectantly to see how you will provide. We do not ask this, Lord, on our own merit, but on the merit of the one who gave his life for us, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, Check us out online at thewychurch.org.